0: This is Danielle Houston. I'm a benefits advisor at Propel Insurance. You're listening to my podcast, The Checkup. And here at The Checkup, we talk about anything related to employee benefits, health care, health insurance, anything we really want. And today, the focus is going to be on some really key elements that are human resource support, some spaces that maybe you don't hear a lot about in some of your day-to-day. But I've got a guest with me. I've got John Henry. He is the co-founder of TBS, which is Total Benefits Solutions and Scale. He's the managing director. So he oversees a lot of what happens here from some third-party areas that are really interesting. TBS has been around a long time. Since 2003. Yes. And some of you have maybe even worked with TBS in some capacity and didn't even know it.
1: Absolutely. We've been the wholesale distribution partner for Aetna since 2003. So we helped bring Aetna back into the state of Washington for small group employers.
0: So if you were Under 50 employees and you were buying an Aetna product in Washington, you have worked with TBS. That's correct. Yes. And one of the things that I've noticed about TBS in recent years is that there's a real growth of the things that you're offering. You've kind of, it seems like you have looked down the road at what employers really need to do their business and we've seen technology offerings, which I'd love for you to talk about that. And the main focus today is for something that we call PEO, and I try not to do a lot of acronyms here because we want people to know this health insurance jargon of which we speak, but PEOs are private employer organizations.
1: Basically, professional employer organizations.
0: See, I don't even know all the acronyms. And I would say that in other areas of the country, it's been something that's been really popular. There probably a lot more infiltration in some other areas, but let's first talk about anything else about TBS and what you guys do here that you'd like our audience to hear.
1: Sure. So TBS, you know, we do change very well. We've been able to be the exclusive partner for Aetna Small Group since 2003. Because we we're very nimble and we help them do the things that they can't move quickly enough to do. So, once again, we brought them into the state of Washington in 2003. We helped them open a small group in Alaska in 2009. Wow. We started an international division to help small and mid sized employers with their international needs. So, we continued to evolve and change. But then with, with ACA, we transitioned again. So, we started doing consolidated billing, we opened a TPA. As you look forward, We noticed that the process of buying health insurance was really changing. You know, we talked a little bit before that we had started about how when you and I both started in the business, a lot of this business was done over the, you know, on the golf course. Yes. That's changed. And you know, we used to be, every major business transaction an employer would do, like getting a lease or getting a mortgage or a loan would all be Mm paper-based. And that changed to digital many, many years ago. However, our business is still mainly paper-based. So we've been really trying to take the way that we buy and sell and service our clients up into the digital age.
0: Along with the rest of the corporate working world of America. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I have vivid memories of my very first days at Primera when we would still get requests for proposals that were faxed over. They might be 50 pages long because we would get handwritten census information from some people. I won't name names, but handwritten census. I'm so thankful those days are gone, but yet there's still a lot of opportunity for us to help people be more automated, more efficient, and take some of this paper.
1: Absolutely. And, and with, with the ACA, a lot of the small employer health plans have become pretty commoditized. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your metal style plans. The rates are pretty much the rates are the rates of the rates. Unlike, once again, we started a broker with a lot of business could negotiate the rates on your behalf. There's a lot of relationship in there. With that commoditization, the value really has to be delivered in how we help the employer buy, enroll, and administer the benefits rather than just offering a spreadsheet.
0: Agreed, which means that people like us who are always learning and who are willing to do new things and try new things, this is great opportunity for us to help people in whole new ways.
1: Absolutely, because as the value of a broker negotiating the small group health plans has gone away, the value of the broker really shouldn't have gone away. It should be increasing because our employers, the compliance that they have to deal with running a small business has grown exponentially. So yes. instead of negotiating the health rates in a small group health insurance plan, the broker, in my mind, needs to be able to help with compliance, with HR, with payroll, rather than just showing a spreadsheet and trying to get the lowest medical rates out there.
0: Yeah, because those rates they are the rates. If you're under 50, it goes back to this, you know, I think it was my kids preschool days where you get what you get. Right. Right. So then it becomes, how do you like the fit, but how can we really help you with all the other things? Sure. And I think that's a great then introduction into PEOs because that is a good help for people. Right. And I think that's where when we look at ways that we can help these smaller companies really do their work in an easier way. So do you want to talk a little bit about where PEOs kind of have been and then how TBS is stepping into that?
1: Sure. So you mentioned that PEOs traditionally have have been really popular on the East Coast, in California, in Texas. And traditionally, they they started out helping small employers with their workers' compensation rates. And they allowed small employers to pool their buying and, and really get a better deal on their workers' compensation. In order to do that, they had to enter into a shared employer relationship, and the PEO would do a lot of the the administrative functions like payroll and HR and things like that. Mm -hmm. What they found was, even though they were offering a good deal on the workers' compensation, the small employers really appreciated the lowering of the amount of redundant transactional HR tasks they used to have to do, and that stayed that way for quite some time. When ACA happened, we saw a similar thing happening where employers were able to band together under a PEO and get better medical rates, get better medical plans. And once again, they're starting to see the benefit of having solutions for their HR, their payroll and their compliance.
0: So do you think the Affordable Care Act then has been a hindrance to these PEOs, or do you think that has opened up a new opportunity for PEOs, maybe specifically in the Northwest?
1: I think it's absolutely opened up an opportunity.
0: Okay. So why do you think PEOs here in Washington just haven't... I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and, and it just hasn't ever gotten a great start off the runway like what we see in other parts of the country.
1: Yeah, I think the fact that the rest of the country had a head start because of the workers' comp benefits, Got it. and Washington state does not have a commercial workers' comp plan. Everything is run through the state on a monopolistic basis.
0: Okay. That makes sense. So maybe if some of those other areas weren't as monopolistic, there would be some incentive to try to make some ways exactly. to make it better. Yeah. So let's talk about the PE. O offering that you have today. This can probably cover a few different places and we can, you know, take it one step at a time, but let's first lay out what exactly is a PEO for those who don't know.
1: Sure. A PEO, as we've talked about, is a professional employer organization. What that means is the PEO takes over the administrative burden for employers. They're professional at doing payroll, they're the professional for doing HR, they're the professional for handling benefits. And that shared employer relationship also makes them the taxpayer of record for the federal government and the state governments. That allows the employer then to focus on running their core business and not doing those administrative tasks.
0: So ultimately that PEO becomes the HR department, but it also, at least on paper, looks like the actual employer for those employees because you're going to remit payroll taxes and all the other pieces. Okay. So, who would you consider to be a really great client for a PEO? I mean, I always say there is no such thing as a one size fits all for anybody. Mm-hmm. But when you look at who really would win in this kind of an arrangement? What kind of a company makes a great prospect for you in that PEO space?
1: You know, I think it's pretty simple. It's it's a it's a business owner who has 20 employees or more. That's where you start to have enough employees. We're where dealing with the administration becomes complex and burdensome
0: like Cobra like, would be a good example exactly. at least on the benefit side. But I'm sure there must be even from a payroll perspective. Other things that's
1: absolutely you have pseudo taxes and food taxes and you have all the compliance with, with regards to that one of the, the you know, today's Friday mm-hmm. and I always think about this story, especially on Fridays. There's a technology company we were working with in California and they were a growing company, 25 employees past couple years, they thought they were doing an amazing thing for their staff. They worked four, 10 hour days. Sounds pretty good. Three day weekend, every week, right? Until they had an employee who didn't like that. Oh. And they sued. And what they found out was that in California, if you work over eight hours in a day, the other two hours are overtime. Oh no. So they tried to do a good thing, three day weekends, and they ended up owing back taxes and overtime for over two years, almost put them out of business. Ouch. So Going into being an employer without having really good compliance assistance can really risk the the viability of that business.
0: Yeah. And I think you see probably exactly what we see. If you're an employer in that 20 space, maybe even up into 75 employees, Mm -hmm. you might not have a dedicated HR person. Right. The HR piece is probably handled by a really hardworking individual who's maybe doing accounts receivables and accounts payable. HR is maybe a side dish mm-hmm. to some of those things. And you know, with compliance and this instant that you just talked about, when HR becomes a side dish, it's a danger of what are you not missing? What yes. are you... It's a
1: huge danger, especially, you know, we have an office in Washington. We have an office in California. Many of our companies and many companies out there have employees in different states. Yes. And each state has their own rules. California is extremely, extremely difficult to to be uh, compliant with.
0: Yeah. I I often refer to California. They're like their own country.
1: They are. (laughs) So if you have somebody handling HR part-time without the appropriate assistance, it can put everybody at risk.
0: Which, you know... I never like the, the message of fear, but I think that there has to be a message of being prepared. You can't just let this stuff sit and just hope that there's not that one person that's going to take issue with something that you've decided or done. So the perfect client's going to be anywhere 20 employees or more. Is there an industry or industries that you see as being great fits? Sure.
1: The white, gray, light blue, Collar. Um, okay. Employers who really want to build a positive culture because one of the things that a PEO can do is really help assist with building that culture, making sure the employees are taken care of. They're getting a fortune 500 style benefits. They're having an HRIS system that is just like they would get if they worked for a large company. So we want to partner with employers who are looking at things, not just how do we get the cheapest medical rate, but really how do we create a package that's going to improve our culture, allow us to attract and retain key employees, and even as the employers get bigger, whether maybe they do have a full-time HR person. It's been my experience that they don't want that HR person doing paperwork and administrative tasks. They want them out there trying to attract and retain and hire key people.
0: Right. And I I think that is a real key theme here in the northwest Mm -hmm. when we have such low unemployment everybody wants good smart people and you want to keep those good smart people i'm seeing more and more of my clients hire people that are specific to recruiting and retaining exactly interesting trends didn't always used to be that way again i remember when hr used to be just the they're going to collect your enrollment form Higher and fire. But there wasn't this kind of engagement with how do we change a culture and how do we create something amazing for our company?
1: We were in Seattle last night, our whole company. We flew everybody in from all of the U.S. Very and good. we were fortunate enough to be nominated one of the top 100 workplaces in the state of Washington.
0: Congratulations. Thank you very much.
1: Extremely thrilled about that and humbled there are so many small and mid-sized companies in there that take culture seriously. Mm -hmm. And we need to, if we want to attract and retain key people, especially in the Northwest, as you indicated, where we're competing against the Amazons and all of these companies that have great cultures. Uh, But maybe the small employer in the past hadn't really thought of that.
0: Yeah, maybe not. But they they certainly are now when they're trying to find someone and, and bring someone to the table. And, you know, it is something that It comes up in a variety of ways, but I think that there is such a a current, and maybe part of it too, is the the new generation entering into the workforce. They care about how work feels. They don't just care about the check. And what they're making, while that's important, you know, they're looking for all sorts of other things that aren't necessarily quite tangible. And benefits, you know, can be part of that intangible. There's an expectation to have that, but that can really vary widely. And back to your point about benefits being part of this PEO, you guys, using that relationship with Aetna, have developed plans that are specific for this PEO and that those clients could and would need to buy from in that in that process. Can you give us a little taste of what those plans are? Like how many? Sure. How does that work?
1: So we have 14 different plans okay. that otherwise would not be available to small employers.
0: Because you guys have specifically crafted the plan designs.
1: That's correct. Because it's a PEO, we could craft them on a large employer platform, which means there's more flexibility, which means they have a larger network of providers. There's all types of things that we can do that can do if it were an ACA plan. So it gives the employer a absolute better choice than they would find in the, in the um, ACA market. You can also offer multiple choice plans. Okay. So um, if you're going in, a, in the ACA market and you're a small employer, the likelihood is you'll have limited choice. One plan for your group and that's it. With us, we think that an employer may want to have a $500 deductible plan for themselves, and that might be a good fit. But that might not be a good fit for the young person who they just hired out of college who would rather have a $1,500 deductible plan and be able to afford their portion of the premium. So it gives a little bit more opportunity to tailor the plan to the employee's specific needs.
0: And I think that is... So important, you know, choice is one of those things that everybody everybody wants because we're all buying for different reasons, right? Different motivation. And the nice thing with that offering, if you are that small employer and you're in the PO and you're offering multiple plans, then you're not gonna have to hassle with, you know, multiple benefit summaries and trying to explain all of these different options to people because part of this offering is that technology. That's right. The technology that you probably wouldn't be able to afford if you weren't, you know, a thousand life or a 500 life company that can buy the whole kit.
1: Exactly. And the experience for an employee, if you have a startup in in Bellevue or Seattle and they're pulling away a few people from Microsoft and Google and Amazon, the experience that those key employees are used to would be the similar experience they would get at this small employer with a full online onboarding, with all the document tracking, with a mobile technology, so they would have that same package that they'd be used to when they came to this smaller, mid-sized employer, which is really difficult to replicate without spending lot. an awful lot of money.
0: awful lot of money. So there's some unique appeal, to with this arrangement that you have built, because historically in the PEO space, if an employer wanted to do this they would have to place everything into that PEO and relinquish having a separate advisor because mm-hmm. the benefits would roll under that PEO and you know and at least in some of my experience that that we've had with some PEOs here there's there's always a really strong presence around technology and they know how the HR function works but they don't necessarily have that marketplace advisory level of experience when it comes to employee benefits and how those things work. So companies ultimately end up kind of picking, well, we won't have a, a great broker advisor because we're just going to roll all of this together and hope that things go well. You guys have created an opportunity for an employer to have both. Correct. So you want to talk about how maybe some of that works as well?
1: Absolutely. So we believe the brokers traditionally provide a very, very important role to buying and administering health insurance. And we think that that role should continue on as a trusted advisor. We think there's room in the the conversation. And we think more than that, we think it would be a disservice to take them out because oftentimes they have years of experience working with the employer, with the employees, open enrollments, and helping to understand the unique needs of that particular employer. We want to enhance that. We don't want to take that away.
0: Which is great. I think that you know we've seen some instances where you know the PEOS have cut out those broker advisors, and so then when one piece goes bad, then all of a sudden you've got an employer who's like, who do I talk to? Who right. do I ask for some help here? And I think you guys have created this thing where there's just a lot of balance in there for everybody to work together and bring their specific skills
1: to we, the table. We think it, it it should be a great team effort, and yeah, we. We also believe that for the broker, it's a value add because especially small and mid-sized brokers, the competition from insurance technology companies, whether it's the Namelys, the Gustos, Zenefits, depending on which year you're (laughs) in, we have to deliver better service, more online service, cloud-based service. And a lot of brokers don't have the tools and a lot of the, the plans aren't built to be combined that way. So having this as a consolidated, unified solution really is a win-win for both the broker and the employer.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I run into, you know, competitors here and there who don't know yet what the cloud is, and they're certainly not embracing some of the technology in the ways that I think, you know, we all are just going to have to. I mean, I, I think it is just as important for us to be able to give good advice about technology, just like we can give good advice about your benefits and you know, any, anything else that might be ailing you in a day.
1: Definitely. <laughs> I, I also I, I use the analogy of, um, of the Amazon shipping experience, right? If, if you ordered from Amazon today, and I did this about two weeks ago, we needed a speaker for um, a little, you know, UE speaker. Yes. I ordered it and it was here in 22 minutes. When a consumer orders a benefit plan or package from us, It comes via the U.S. Postal Service in a big stack of paper. (laughs) And you get
0: to read it. Right.
1: And we need need to do a better job. So we're trying to go that direction.
0: I agree. I agree. And I think there's so much great and fun opportunity to do that for the people who are willing to kind of jump into the fray and just take a bite, get started.
1: Yeah. And that's the other part, too, the the ideal client is is a client who's going to embrace technology because technology is the backbone to what we're trying to do. We're trying to automate. We're trying to reduce the redundant administrative tasks trying to make it easier and improve the experience for them and especially for their employees.
0: Yes. Agreed. A lot of room for error, too, in those redundancies, which Mm. I think we can't ever really quite quantify what that value is. But, you know, when you make a mistake, sometimes, you know, then you can quantify it. But I love how technology can help ease those things as well. So what are some of the cons of you know, a PEO or maybe, you know, the client that you would say, gosh, probably PEO probably wouldn't be for these folks.
1: Yeah. You know, agriculture
0: clients can be difficult. Is it the technology piece? Sometimes
1: it's the technology piece. Sometimes it's the seasonal workforce.
0: Okay. Um,
1: So seasonal workforce, not usually a good, good choice. Businesses that have integrated software that runs their whole business, uh, car dealerships come to mind, they have everything from a time and labor to PTO, and their, their sales process is all built in. Okay. It can be difficult to unbundle some of that to connect. Really, at the end of the day, the, the only, one, only type of business that I think we would shy away from are businesses where the employer is just profit-driven and not culture-driven. Because in that scenario, they may not be able to realize all of the ancillary benefits of being part of a PEO. So we want someone who can partner, who's going to appreciate the fact that we're giving them resources and tools to run their business and focus on their core business rather than all the administrative
0: tasks. Right. And and maybe to that end, too, with benefits, that this is a good place to talk just for a minute about if you come into that PEO, part of the appeal and a part of that long term sustainability for those health plan benefits is that. That health plan, you know, if your claims experience is rough, if you're getting a a big increase from your current carrier because your loss ratio was 150%, then this pool is not going to be the pool that you should come into because there are some qualifiers around health status. I mean. And not, not on an individual basis, but right. just like we would have to go with any other large group and look at claims experience and what might be going on there, mm-hmm. you're working to keep a bit of a cleaner pool there so that clients can have a different kind of sustainability with healthcare costs.
1: Absolutely. And that's, that's another reason why having a, a trusted advisor, broker involved can make sense because there may be a time where pulling out of the PEO makes sense. Or out of the health plan and just transitioning to an ASO relationship where they can keep all the technology and the payroll, but the medical may be placed somewhere else. So having an advisor who can do that and provide good counsel makes all the sense in the world.
0: Yeah, because this healthcare thing, it is not simple.
1: No. And, and it's, it's very came. dynamic. It's changing every single day.
0: It sure is. It sure is. Anything else that companies that you would say if a company finds this interesting, what are maybe some questions? Some some things they should be asking themselves.
1: I would ask, and I, I start from kind of my own perspective as a business owner. How am I dealing with the complex nature of compliance? When was the last time I had my handbook, my employee handbook, revised? Your overtime. How are you handling applications for people coming in? How are you handling the ADA? All the different things that come down the pipe. And if the answer is I'm not sure or I don't know, I would start there because that even if you don't go to a PEO. Those are things that should be updated regularly. And with a PEO, we can walk side by side with somebody.
0: Right. Well, we appreciate working with you. And I love that, you know, you guys are always brave enough to dip your toe in a new part of the pool and and decide to try something new. So if it is something like PEO or Beam or international travel, then People who are listening, this is a great place to come, and I can help you with that. Anyone at Propel and the benefits team can help with that. There's some strong partnership here. We appreciate that. And I appreciate everybody who's logged in or clicked on to listen to the checkup today. I hope you have learned something new, something that maybe you find a little bit exciting or interesting and want to take that back to your own workplace, and the best is yet to come. Have a great day.